God is good? And all the time? Hey, we're glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you're new with us today, thank you for being here today. My name is John, and I'm blessed to serve as a pastor here at Hallmark. And I would love to get a chance to meet you. So if you're new here, I haven't had an opportunity to meet you. I will be, my wife Joy and I will be right out the door in the foyer there. And as soon as church is over, we'd love to have an opportunity just to get to know who you are. And uh, thank you for being here with us uh, today. Um, and so we are going to, this week, uh, as you can see on the screen here or also on your bulletin, I encourage you to get your bulletin out. Uh, maybe you're following along on, on paper here. Maybe you have your phone or, like me, your iPad out, and you can always follow along on the Uversion Bible app. It's there both in English as well as uh, Spanish. And so you can follow along. All the notes from the bulletin are on there as well. And so you can see by this that we t- today... Um, we are using probably, my guess, going to be the most overused theme of any message for this year, 2020 vision, right? So every church in the world, I think, is going to use this at one point. So today is our day, all right? So we're going we're gonna to get past this, all right? But when we think about this, um, we have been walking, as Ben already alluded to, we've been walking through a series called One. And so we're, what I'm going to do today is we're going to, we're going to kind of look back on all that because all of those messages, really the last six weeks, has, have been pointing to one statement, one line that we're going to finish with this morning. So we want to bring that in to focus. Here's what I want you to do for a second this morning. I want you to look around the room and I want you to notice, uh, you can count if you want, you can just make a mental note, but I want you to notice everything in the room that is brown. Okay, you got 15 seconds. Ready? Look around the room and look at everything that is brown. Just Kind of make a mental note. You want to write, oh, there's 5, 10, 20 things, whatever. I didn't know it was going to be so funny, but that's all right. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of the one thing that was red that you saw. All right, you can look up. Now, the reason I want to do that, how many of you started noticing everything in the room that was maybe brown, tan, or also beige? All right, because here's, here's what happens. When we focus on something, it tends to magnify. So what we want to do today is focus what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Now, I am 46 years old. For some of you in the room, that sounds really, really old. And for some of you in the room, not so old, right? And so in August, I'm going to be turning 47. Something crazy happened when I was 45. It was like overnight. I woke up, it seemed like, on my 45th birthday, my normal routine where I go in and the first thing is coffee, and, and then I go and I sit in my office, I get my Bible out, and I start reading. And it seemed like, like overnight, things seemed a little blurry. Like I was sitting back a little farther. It was crazy. And I honestly, I thought I got allergies. Something's wrong. Because my entire life, like 2015 vision, no problems, nothing. And um, so... I let this go on for about three or six months. Like, man, these allergies are really, really bothering me. And, and so I said something to my twin brother. I was like, man, it's like overnight. I got allergies. I can't read in the morning. He's like, me too. <laughs> it was at that very moment we realized it's not allergies. He's old. <clears throat> and I'm six minutes older. So we, we had to make two choices, right? There's two choices when you get to that point in your life. You either get readers, which, if you look at the screen, my brother chose to get readers. 
you get readers or you get a bigger Bible, all right? So he chose the readers, I chose the Bible, I think I chose wisely. Anyways, the point is sometimes we've got to focus. Sometimes, sometimes we've got to just kind of narrow in and focus. So what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to look back over the last six weeks, and I'm going to kind of try, okay, emphasis on try here, to give you the sermon in a sentence, okay? Maybe more than one, but, you know, the goal is one sentence, all right? Now, we started way back, way, way, way back in 2019, all right? So Pastor Nathan preached in 2019, the last Sunday of the year. He preached from John chapter 13. And if you're familiar with John 13, John 13 begins this discourse or this final teaching of Jesus. And in John 13, the setting is that the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. They're celebrating the Passover meal. This is going to be their last supper, right, before Jesus dies. That's the famous picture, right, the last supper. And so in John 13, Jesus begins this teaching, and he washes the disciples' feet, Pastor Nathan did a great job of explaining to us how this applies to us as a church. And really, he introduced to us this idea of being one and, and unity. So let's look at one verse, John 13, 34. This is the closing of that chapter, and Jesus again has washed the disciples' feet. And here's what he says in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And again, this is a context that Jesus is talking to believers, those who are following Jesus. And, and so here's the statement, here's the sermon in a sentence that Nathan gave us that week. How I love other Christians changes the world. How I love Christians, other Christians changes the world. And we're specifically going to think in the context of our church. Because right after this, Jesus would then say, they will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. So how we choose in the context of our local church to love one another changes the world. So he introduced this idea of, John, uh, of Jesus praying for one. Now, turn to John 17. So in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is teaching. Again, the setting is the Lord's table. They're in the upper room. Jesus is at the end of John 17. They're going to walk out into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to be arrested and so right before they dismiss, right before they dismiss, as Jesus says, all this teaching, Jesus prays. In the first part of John 17, Jesus first prays for himself, then he prays for the disciples, and then the last part is where he's praying for us. He's praying for the church. He's praying for even specifically us, the local church. So John 17, 20 is where we started our series one. We got this idea. Verse 20, John 17. Jesus praying, he says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of disciples, but I also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's speaking to us. He's praying for us. And here's what his prayer is, verse 21. That they, may, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And that the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Over and over you're going to see this word, one. Why? That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So, when we think about the prayer of Jesus. Look, again, if you're following along in the bulletin or maybe you're on the U version, here's the sermon in a sentence. Here's what it says. This is what we, we kind of walked away with that morning. Jesus prayed for us 
us as being the church. He's prayed for us. And so we think of, again, we said this last week or, or two weeks ago, the church is anyone who belongs to Jesus. Anyone who's found Jesus is now a follower of Jesus. They are a part of the church. But when we think of the local church, now we're talking about us in here in the room this morning. Those of you who have chosen to sign a membership covenant, you're a part of this local church. And so what Jesus is saying, Jesus prayed for us, the church, to be one. Why? So that the world would know and the world would believe. You understand then the importance why Jesus was praying for unity. Unity in the church points people to Jesus. All right, so then we jumped into Ephesians. So turn with me to Ephesians, and we're going to kind of walk all around Ephesians, which what we've done the last four or five weeks in this series. And, and here's the overall emphasis of the book of Ephesians. So uh, Paul writes the book of Ephesians. He's writing specifically to a church in Ephesus. So he's writing to believers. He's writing to a local church like what we have right here. And the overall emphasis of Ephesians is that the church would be in unity in Christ by the Spirit for the glory of God. Let me say that again. That the church would be in unity, unity in Christ through the Spirit for the glory of God. That's why God wants us to live in unity. Our unity comes in Christ, empowered by the Spirit, for the glory of God. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, verse 16, we're jumping in into the middle of his prayer. All right, Paul is praying. He begins his prayer in verse 14. But let's start reading verse 16. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, how do we come to Christ? How do we come to God? We come to God through Christ, through faith. That you, and here he goes, being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which actually passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's just stop there for a moment. And Paul is praying that we would be, uh, we would grow in our faith. Not only, again, if we think about just finding Jesus, that we belong to Christ, but now we're actually followers of Jesus, and we're growing our faith. And, and what he's saying is, the more you understand how much God loves you, the more you want to grow closer to God. It's, it's kind of this uh, cyclical thing where the closer I get to God, the more I understand how much he loves me. The more I understand how much he loves me, the more I want to get closer to God. And the more I get closer to God, are, are, you, guys tr- are you guys following? Are you tracking with me here? Now, how many, of you, how many of you seen the shirt that I got that says, are you tracking with me? Anybody seen that shirt I got? Where, is, is Ish here this morning? Everybody look at Ish. It's the ugly guy with the big beard back there. All right. Good looking man. He got me a shirt that says, are you tracking with me? And ever since he got that shirt, if I start to say it up here, I like put on the brakes. Like, I'm not supposed to say that anymore. So, I don't know why I'm telling you that. All right, so... Are you tracking with me? Just shake your head. Yes. So it's this cycle that we get into. The the closer I get to Christ, the more I understand how much God loves me. And the more I understand how much God loves me, the closer I get to Christ. And it's amazing that Paul says here, I'm I'm praying that you'd be strengthened, that you would grow in your faith, that you would grow in your knowledge, that you would grow in your understanding of how deep, how wide, how vast God's love is. And oh, by the way, his love is so great you're never going to be able to comprehend it. God loves you that much. All right, so let's, let's wrap this up in one sentence, right? What is Paul's prayer here? Paul prayed that we would be strengthened, rooted, and filled 
so that God would be glorified. That we'd be strengthened, rooted, and filled so that God would be glorified. All right, now, we turn. Uh, you may not have to turn, but let's look at Ephesians chapter number 4. And, and Pastor Ben, our worship pastor, he, he preached uh, on Ephesians chapter number 4. And the main point of this, uh, the, the actual the, the title of the message that week was, the church needs you, that you are needed here. The church needs you. So look, let's look at first, uh, the first three verses, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And then we're going to skip to Ephesians 4, verse 15. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now skip over to verse 15. Verse 15 then says, But speaking the truth in love, May grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Twice we see first in verses 1 through 3 that we're going we're gonna to walk worthy of the calling while which we were called. We're going to walk in community. We're going to walk worthy of the calling that God has called. And then we're going to say here in verse 15, twice there in 15 and 16, it says that we're going we're gonna to grow up. How many of you remember when you were in junior high? That was like the biggest put down ever. Just grow up. Anybody ever say that to you? How about your parents? Your parents ever say that to you? My parents never had to say that to me. I, I was so mature beyond my years. I'm not sure why you're laughing, but we'll, we'll move on. What's, what's the sermon in a sentence here? Here's the point. The church needs you to walk in community, protect the community, and grow up in community for the sake of the gospel. L- let's, let's look at that sentence again, though, and let's, let's kind of like uh, put a little emphasis here. The church needs you. The church needs you. Could you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. The church needs you. Okay? The church needs you to walk in community. That's why the scripture says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. That you just showing up, being here in community, as, as Ben led us through those prayers and saying, some of us are struggling, some of us are hurting, some of us have a praise report to give, and God is blessed. And, and you know what? We, we need each other. We need community. We need accountability. We need transparency. When I struggle to get up early in the morning and read my Bible, I need someone to say, John, get up and read your Bible. Make a commitment. We, we want to walk in community. So the church needs you. The church needs you to walk in community. The church needs you to protect the community. And there's a whole long list. And next week, we're going we're gonna to kind of uh, walk through what, what does it mean to be a church member? What does this look like? What is the covenant? You realize that anyone that joins our church now, they, they sign a covenant that they're going to commit to these things. And one of these really clearly is that I'm going to protect the community. Endeavoring to keep the peace is what Paul said here in Ephesians chapter 4. So the church needs you to walk in community. The church needs you to protect the community. The next thing is the church needs you to grow up in community. Here, here's the reality is that you are going to grow faster, better, stronger in your relationship with God as it relates to relationships here on the earth. You need, you need me and I need you. We're, we're better together. We're better together. 
All right, so let, let's keep moving on, right? Ephesians chapter 3. So you turn, turn back a page probably. Ephesians chapter number 3. And can I just pause for a moment and say, you know, I, I hope you understand how blessed we are as a church um, to have guys on our staff that can preach the Word of, of, of God very well. Amen. Yeah, yeah, give them a hand. I'm, I am thankful that um, as we've walked through this series, Pastor Nathan and Pastor Ben and last week Pastor Dave, and, and, and to think that, that not just if, you know, the old term was to fill the pulpit. You guys ever heard that term, fill the pulpit? But we have men on our staff that get up here and, and preach the Word of God to you. And I'm thankful for that. I'm, pr- I'm thankful that they're true to the Word of God. I'm also thankful that they're capable. That, that's also important too. But as we, we talked a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter number 3, this verse just jumped off the page of me in verse number 10 and 11. And, and it underlines for us very clearly, very succinctly, what's the purpose of the church? Why are we here? And, and we said this, the church is here, and what we're here, we're here to make God known. So look at verse 10, Ephesians chapter 3. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, here it is, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the what? Church. Say it again, by the what? Church. The purpose of the church is to make God known. Let's keep reading. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal, what's the word there? Purpose which he accomplished in Christ our Lord. Again, we think about what's, what's the purpose of Paul writing this letter? You see, the overall emphasis of Ephesians is on the unity of the church in Christ through the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. And Paul is just reminding us that all the, all the way through the book of Ephesians, he's reminding us unity is in Christ, empowered by the Spirit for the glory of God. So the sermon in a sentence. We are one in Christ, by Christ, for the cause of Christ. We are one in Christ, by Christ, for the cause of Christ. All right, now, two weeks ago, on Super Bowl Sunday, if you remember that far back, all right, who, who won the Super Bowl, by the way? All right, give you one more chance to talk about it. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 4. Now, if you were here, you remember on that Sunday that um, I had a specific title that I had planned out for that Sunday morning, but my wife told me, no. How many of you were here that week and you remember that title? How many of you weren't here? How many of you want me, do you want me to tell you what it was? Joy, can I tell them? All right, Joy says no. All right, ask me after church. All right. But the title we landed on was this, Two Butts, Now What? All right. They got somebody. Even, even that one didn't, wasn't good enough. So verse 4 and 5 give us the first but. All right. Single T here, all right. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we think about this word. What does it say? But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love toward us when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And then in parentheses, in my, script, in, in, in my text, it's in parentheses, it says, for by grace you are what? 
saved. That's past tense. For by grace you have been saved. So he's writing to followers of Christ. He's writing to believers, and he says, For by grace you have been saved. How? But God. But God who's rich in mercy, because he loved us. Let's look at the second one, verse number 13. All right, verse number 13 uh, then says this, But now in Christ Jesus you who are once far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. But God... What are, the two, what are the two buts here? But God brought me from death to what? Life. But Christ brought me from being afar to being near. But I want to pause here for a moment. Because what he's pointing to is what was in verse number 5 in parentheses. For by grace you have been saved. It's salvation that brings us to life. It's salvation that brings us from being afar off to be in north. It's salvation that, as we just sang about, brings us freedom. We were once captive to sin, now we're free. We were dead, we're alive. We were orphans, we've been adopted. We were aliens and strangers, now we are in the household of God. It's salvation that brings that. And what does he say? For by grace, you, look down in verse number 8. All right, Ephesians 2, verse 8. And what does Ephesians 2, 8 says? For by grace, again, he's going to say the same. For by grace you have been saved, past tense. He's talking to believers. For by grace you've been sa- uh, saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast or brag about it. So before we get to the what, let's just stop for a minute. Past tense, Paul is saying, he's writing to those who have found Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. By grace, through faith. You were dead, you've been made alive. You were far, now you've been brought near. The question I have for you this morning is, does that apply to you? Paul's writing to believers. My assumption then, maybe this morning, is that everyone that could apply to you, but the reality is maybe it doesn't. Maybe you've never received the grace of God. God's grace is available for all. And how do I get his grace then? Well, the text just told us, for by grace you've been saved through what? Through faith. It's placing my faith in Jesus. It's acknowledging that I can't be good enough to get to God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's only by God's grace, placing my faith in Jesus, that I can have forgiveness of sins, that I can be from death to life, far near, orphans adopted. So the greatest question we're, gonna, we're actually going to ask this morning is this. Have you received God's grace? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Could everybody just close your eyes for a moment? Don't, don't close your Bibles. Don't check out. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And maybe this morning you've never received God's grace. You've never placed your faith in Jesus. And here, I want you to do it right now. There's no reason to wait till the end of the service. You can do it right now. Here's how you do it. You simply tell God that you understand the only way you can get to him, the only way you can receive grace is that you place your faith in Jesus. You're placing your faith that Jesus died for your sins, that Jesus was buried, and that Jesus came back to life. So if you want to do that this morning, if you want to receive God's grace by placing your faith in Jesus, talk to God about it. Talk to God about it.
Here's something that you may say. You, you could repeat my words. You can put them in your own words. It's simply you talking to God. It's you confessing your faith and need for Jesus. It may go something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I want grace in my life. I confess that I need Jesus. I confess the only way for me to get grace is placing faith in Jesus. I ask you, forgive me, cleanse me, and save me. That's it. And if you, if you made that prayer, if you talked to God and you told him, God, I, I'm, I'm receiving your grace by placing my faith in Jesus, then what the scripture says, you have been saved. And all God's people said, would you look, look up with me this morning, and I'm going to encourage you, if, if you prayed that prayer, in a moment we're going to be standing, we're going to be worshiping, there's going to be people standing down here at the front, and, and just simply walk down and, and, and let somebody know, I prayed that prayer today. We would love to open up the Bible and explain and, and just give you confirmation and celebrate with you. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. And if you skip down to verse number 19 in our text, this now would apply to you. If you prayed that prayer today and you gave your life, you received the grace of God through faith in Jesus, verse 19 applies to you. So here's the two buts, now here's the what, verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers. You are not a foreigner, but you are what? A fellow citizen with the saints, members of the household of God. Isn't that something worth celebrating? That we're in the household of God? We, you can clap. You can give God a hand. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you made that decision, this promise, verse 19, you are no longer dead, what verse 4 said. You've been made alive. You are no longer far from God. You've been brought near to God. And we want to celebrate that with you. So I'm, I'm begging you, when we, when we stand down here in a few moments, come down and tell someone. I gave my life to Jesus. We want to welcome you to our family. We want to welcome you to our family. All right, let's, let's keep going. Well, let's, let's say this sermon in a sentence, right? Here we are. We are brought to life and brought near in order to be brought together. Again, this goes back to the understanding that we are better together. The purpose of the church is to make God known. We can do that better together. We can obviously do that better together in unity. Okay, let's keep going. Last week, Pastor Dave preached a, a great message on, uh, entitled A Fish Story. How many of you like to fish? How many of you only like to fish if you're catching something? Okay, I don't, I'm kind of that way too. Um, but I just don't go fishing unless I know, you know, I've had a community. Anyways, I love to fish. And when I was a kid, uh, we, we used to have this little fishing pond that we would go to. Had to drive out into the country my dad would wake us up super early. It was the only thing I would get up early for. We would have to walk about a mile into the pasture through the wheat fields, across a couple bar by barbed wire fences. I'm not sure if we were supposed to be there, but that's where we went. And there was a, a period of time, about an hour and a half, as the sun was coming up, that every time you threw your line out, almost before your lure hit the water, guess what would happen? About a pound and a half to two-pound bass would just come and get your... It was the greatest thing ever. Now you know why I got up early in the morning. There was also about an hour period of time as the sun was going down. At the same place, you could catch all the fish you could want. But here's the statement 
that, that uh, David made. Pray, prepare to share, put a line of water, and watch the power of God change lives. Amen. I was never, ever going to catch that fish unless I did what? I've got to get up. I've got to plan. I've got to prepare, and then I've got to do what? I've got to put a line in the water. And we wonder why we're not catching anything. Because we're not planning, we're not preparing, and we're definitely not doing what? Putting a line in the water. We heard an amazing story last week of, of uh, one of our members, Caleb, firefighter that, that, that is a firefighter in Mesquite. And if you were here last week, you heard him stand up and tell a story. And a few weeks ago when we had our prayer and worship night, uh, over there on the wall we had some paper and we were supposed to go write on the wall some people we were praying for to get saved. And you, you know what that writing on the wall did? It was planning. It was preparing. But that was only two aspects of it. The third aspect is well, I've got to put a line in the water. What's amazing is this. When you plan and you prepare and you ask God, listen, if God is wanting everyone to be saved and you simply ask God, hey, I want to be a part of the process. I want to tell someone. Do, do you think God wants to answer your prayer? Of course he does. So Caleb writes it on the wall, four names. And this is what Caleb told me. He said, I've known them for five years. He said it last week here on the stage as well. And you know what he hadn't done? and cast a line in the water. He prayed. Do you, do you under, did you catch what he said last week? In less than 24 hours of him planning and preparing, God threw the line out for him. He sat down to lunch, and, and these guys that had been working with for five years, and they're the ones that said, hey, tell us what you believe and why you believe it. God is pretty good, isn't he? And so plan, prepare, Put a line in the water. This morning, as we bring this to focus, John 17, back to where we started. John 17, verse 21. Now that they may be one as you, Father, on me, and I in you, that you also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So here it is, the focus. Jesus is praying that we would be one, first, so that people would find Jesus. Secondly, he's praying that we would be one so people would follow Jesus. You see, we want to lead people to find and follow Jesus. What does that mean? There's two church words that kind of explain what that means. Helping people find Jesus is the church word would be evangelism. We want to tell people. That's what, what Pastor Dave preached on last week. I want to make you fishers of men. True followers of Jesus are also fishermen for Jesus. And so we want to help people find Jesus. What does it mean then to follow Jesus? I think as, as, as Jesus prayed, he said that they would know God, that you love them. You remember what we read in Ephesians chapter 3? And Paul said, I wish you could understand. I wish you could grow in your face so you would know the, the, the breadth and the depth and the height and the width of how much God loves you. And it speaks to the discipleship process of growing in a relationship with Christ. So as a church, we want to help people find Jesus, which is evangelism. We want to help people follow Jesus, which is simple discipleship, isn't it? What did, you remember what Jesus said? 
If you want to be my disciples, you must daily take up your cross and what? Follow me. There's a cost to following Jesus. So here's two questions I want to end with this morning. Two simple questions. Who are you helping to find Jesus? Maybe like Caleb, you need to get a journal out and just write some names down. Can I be honest and transparent with you this morning that, that I've gone years in my life, different times in my life, when I've got nobody on my paper I'm praying for specifically. God really convicted me of that this year. And right now, every morning, I've got five names that I'm looking at, five names that I'm praying for that God would allow me to see them find Jesus this year. Write them down. Plan, prepare, put a line in the water. Who are you helping find Jesus? The second question, who are you helping to follow Jesus? You see, everyone should have a Paul in their life, someone who's investing in them. I'm thankful in my life that I've had a lot of Pauls who've invested in me, people who are a little more mature in their faith than I am, and they've kind of helped disciple me. They've helped me. Here's how to follow Christ. Here's, Here's what it looks like to have two kids in, in uh, elementary school and follow Christ. Here's what it looks like to have two kids in junior high, praise the Lord, and follow Jesus. Here's what it looks like to have two kids in college. And I've, I've always had people in my life that kind of modeled that for me. And we all need a Paul in our life, but we also all need a Timothy in our life. Someone that we're showing, hey, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Who, who are you in, currently investing in that needs to know how to follow Jesus. We want to live in unity so we can feel the purpose God has given us. That is, we want to live in unity so we can lead people to find and follow Jesus. We want to lead people to find and follow Jesus. We want to lead our neighbors to find and follow Jesus. We want to lead our coworkers to find and follow Jesus. We want to lead our family to find and follow Jesus, our friends. Who are you currently leading to Christ and leading to follow him? Would you close your eyes for a moment? And and this is a moment just for us to to maybe do some self-reflection. Answering the questions in your mind, maybe you need to write down, "Who who am I leading to find Christ? Who am I leading to follow Christ? Jesus? Am I a part of the process? Am I involved? Is there one person that God could put on your, in your heart right now to write down their name? And maybe you've already done that. We've been encouraging the last few weeks to write someone down this year. God, give me one person, just one person this year that I could help find Jesus. Give me one person this year that I could help follow Jesus. And let's just think for a moment and dream for a moment. What would it look like? What would this church look like if, if all of us in the room, if God burdened us with one person to write down, to pray, to plan, prepare, and then to put the line in the water and, and to see them in 2020 give their life to Jesus, what would that look like? So this morning, as, as we close the service, we're going to sing about the goodness of God. And I think the reason that Paul was praying that we would know the love of God is because the truth is the more we understand God, the more we understand the goodness of God, the more it should challenge us to tell people how good our God is. He's brought us from death to life. 
from being a far away to being near. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we ask you today in this moment, we ask that you would allow us, Lord, just to worship you, to, to praise you, to sing of the goodness of God. And Lord, I pray that, that you would challenge us as individuals, you would challenge us as a church, that we would live in unity, that we would live in community, not for our glory, not even for our good, but for the cause of Christ. That people could come to know, to find and follow Jesus in this place, in our work, at our school, classmates, teammates, co-workers, family, friend, neighbors. Lord, we, we just wanna, we wanna be a part of what you're doing. We wanna see your glory in this place. As we sing of the goodness of God today, if God's spoken to your heart, I'm just gonna encourage you to come down to the altar. Again, maybe you made a decision today to, to give your life to Christ and receive God's grace. We're gonna be standing down here if you'd like to shake our hand. Let us know you made that decision. We would love to pray with you about that. But can we as a church this morning, through prayer, through singing, through worship, could we just sing of the goodness of God today?